Sorry. Maybe we'll just slam right oh, into this. All right, this go ahead. What? I gotta get my Final <laughs> Fantasy 15 car in Final Fantasy 14. What? So I can ride around. They we the... still need to do Final Fantasy 15 multiplayer. Why haven't we done that? <sighs> Fuck. That's a good question. We'll put it on the list. It's on PC and it's got mods. You can make everything a cactuar. Let's do it. Welcome to Filmhouse, everybody. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by Experian Boost. I've got my buddies James and Lawrence with me today. Hey. Hello. My name is Daniel. Uh, we're here to talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, uh, again? <laughs> it's over, Daniel. Let uh, it go. Why more? It, it is over, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions, and I think that's good, right? Okay. Everyone's allowed to have their opinion. No one's an idiot for having their opinion. Um, first of all, so we're going to have a lot of spoilers in this episode. I don't think there's any point in talking about the end of this show and try and remain yeah, cautious about it. So this is your warning. This is all spoilery. It's uh, also very little to spoil. Boom. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Come well, back I, some other time. I would say there are some surprises. There's like yeah, hard right. right turns. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're right. But I mean, it'd be like telling anyone. Yeah. Like, you might as well be, be making it up. the same as telling someone who'd watched it all except for the last episode, but also telling someone who, oh, I haven't seen the show. Yeah. Well, be, it would count the same. It's a dragon. Uh, real quick, I was told to uh, let you guys know there's a special code for RTX Weekend Badges. Mm. You can get 15% off using code FUNHOUSE15. This is valid through June 15th. So I've been told there's not going to be a big fire sale right before the event this year. So this will be your last chance to get any sort of discount. Uh, Funhouse 15, and that works through June 15th. So uh, you can come see us at uh, RTX. You should we'll enjoy it. Be we'll fun. be there. Three of us will be there. Yeah, we can complain about Game of Thrones together. We're gonna do a panel. We gotta start. Oh, we gotta start doing that. Panel plan. Yeah, we oh, we boy. usually go pretty buck wild on our panels. So they're pretty great. <laughs> we put way too much effort into yeah, them to I be know. honest, but it's, it's fun. A lot of slideshows, a lot of PowerPoint. It's basically like a one-hour stage play. I Remember, I said something that. out. Yeah. Uh oh. What if we reenact all of Game of Thrones? <laughs> Can we just minutes? do what Achievement Hunter does? What, is it? what, what do they do? I've, no, I've never been to. I can never get into their panels. It's always too full. Mm -hmm. Well, it's generally when our panel is. Oh, oh, oh that's right. They then stack them against each other. You gotta choose. Oh. Like you have to choose between. Uh, you should trade. Dangerous. Ice and fire. We we once the crowd fills up, we go to their so panel. They go to ours, and every and all of us get booed. And everyone's disappointed. <laughs> everyone's <yeah>. sad. <laughs> just like Game of Thrones. Boom. No, just tie it all together. Um. But yeah, I think uh, ex endings are very, very, very hard, especially in a show that's as complex as this one. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been many examples of things that have quite the complex mythology that this show does. Dark Tower? Like, and are we just talking all narrative? Show. Oh, TV shows. Yeah, TV show. Dallas. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But it, it actually started again in, like, the early 2010s. I don't know the ending for Dallas, but that's a good example. Yeah, like soap opera. Doesn't someone wake up from a dream? That was the ending of an entire season, which, oh. yeah, is apropos for this, because it was them riding themselves out of an immense corner. Bob Newhart show? No, that was, that was Patrick Duffy on Dallas. Oh. I think. Was that the snow globe? No. no he wakes <laughs> up. Oh, he sees someone in the shower, right? That's Citizen that's Kane. That's the ending of Dallas? Damn it. No, no, there, there is some show yes, where... that is Dallas. I don't know. I'm oh, well, pretty sure. I could be actually about wrong about all of that. Who cares? I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so... It really is impossible to please everyone. I think we know that, 100%. being, being yeah. creators ourselves. But I think... Uh, Endgame. What, what about Endgame? People, someone's it's upset. It's a good ending. I guess you're right. Someone's upset. I'd say that's... And it wasn't as, perfect. As good as you could you possibly hope for it. is Endgame. Yeah. Pro possibly similar to story, like decade-long storyline, concluded. Yeah. Most people were very happy with how it was executed. Yeah. Um, and I think, actually, some of that might... 
So the whole cinematic uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe is is very modern, right? There are these glorious gods, and they're perfect. They don't have many issues. And Game of Thrones characters are exactly mm. the opposite. Yes. These are very mm. complex, you know, morally gray, muddled people. Um, also, that I guess that book started coming out in '98, so it was a different time when we really loved anti-heroes. Um, I'm getting distracted, though. <laughs> um, well, valid points. It's interesting to think about, and I think you have to appreciate those things when it comes to the reception of the two. Yeah. And make and I think maybe one point you were making is that you can't really apples to apples compare them. No. Yeah. Well, and it, it was just a different time. Yeah. It, we want different things from our heroes now. Because uh, maybe times are darker than they were in the 90s? I don't know. It's fascinating to dissect what captures the zeitgeist of a culture, for sure. Uh, and and a lot of people write a lot of things about the ebb and flow of what's popular, where it's whether it's perfect just heroes like your Supermans or uh, more complicated anti-heroes like your uh, Charles Bronson's, you know. It, yeah, so uh, it's interesting to talk about, and I think it factors into what we're about to discuss. Yeah. But um, some, someone wrote it, I don't know who this was, but they said that pe- fans that are mad will still watch something. Fans that are bored will stop watching mm, something. That's true. So no, no matter what, <laughs> I think everyone that's mad about this show still watched it. Well, so they never got bored. Also, of it. people that were mad about the show got generally mad about the show within the last season Two and seasons, a half. Yeah. I mean, the last what? Because how many episodes were there total? Like 75? 73. 73. So, I mean, if you get... A lot of if what, When you really get mad is episode 68. I mean, that's... So, yeah, was, was <laughs> it... I, I guess the real question... question out, I don't think. What, whatever you think of the end, was the journey to get there worth it? And I think that is something you can use to evaluate the mm. show mm-hmm. or the story as a whole. And I enjoyed the entire journey. I thought it was worth it, even with the, the gripes I might have about the ending. I thought the whole adventure, you know, the decade that we've been invested in this story was certainly worth it. Yeah, I mean, for me, Game of Thrones is one of the few shows that surprised me. Mm-hmm. I have the the self-imposed curse of any time I watch something, I'm guessing all the narrative yeah. points. And then even worse, Same. a lot of times I'm right, like 50% of the time I'm right. Which and can then be I'm a real like, bummer. Ugh. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, ah, Game of Thrones, like, pretty consistently surprised me with the actions that it took and the decisions that its characters made. Sometimes it's just because they were making different decisions than I would have imagined, but also other times because it was actually motivated, And I was just, but I just didn't think it was going to go that way. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it was always a show that I could count on to be surprised, and I will miss that well, aspect at, of it. At, at a certain point, I think, towards the end of a story, things become inevitable. So it might be there are a few shocks at the end, mm-hmm. but it, it's coming to a conclusion that you, you as an intelligent viewer are starting to guess the ending. Mm-hmm. It's got to go there. There are certain places it has to go, so it's running out of time and places to try and surprise you. Mm-hmm. So if that's one of the things you really drive joy out of the show is the way it shocks you, the end is going to be tough to do that. I was one of the few people that when they said we're ending Game of Thrones, I went, okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad um, it's over. Not honestly. because I wanted it to be done, but just because I was like, I'm just glad when sometimes people make a decision to stop something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just need to stop doing it. Um, it's easier to ruin something by making it overstay its welcome. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to the boredom thing. I think people yeah. that are really unhappy with how Game of Thrones ended will probably not burn their DVDs of season ones, two, three, no. and four, and may even rewatch it again. But at a certain point, they'll be like, "I'm going to rewatch the aspects of the show that I liked," and they'll be fine with it. Um, it'll. It's not. 
it's not going to ruin everything like a show where you're just bored and you just just drags on and then just kind of disappears after a while. I don't know how generally people feel about Walking Dead, but that's the kind of thing where I'm like, that's still going. Yeah. I mean, I know people that watch it, but I also know people that watch NCIS. You know, <laughs> so I don't know. Hmm. Um. So. I think I, I I liked it overall. I have some gripes with the it. Show but the show, the show, the uh, show, even the end, the last couple episodes, it was certainly a roller coaster. This season of going from slow to fast to huge action to nothing happening, back to huge action, and I had my issues with it. But overall, I really really liked it. Maybe it's that I'm glad it's done. I don't have to invest too much of my life in Game of Thrones anymore. Um, Lawrence, yeah, you have more beef. You're also newer to the show. Then have you been? How long have you been watching this? I watched it when it started. Okay, and then around season mid midway through season three, I was like, okay, I'm out. Uh, I just I just watched one episode where. So uh, when you talk about it being worth a journey for me, it was not in no. this in this circumstance because the way the way that the show started and and the books started is that and this is this is me reading into it. I want to be clear about that. Sure. But what I saw was a narrative where it was fueled entirely by, like you guys were saying, complicated characters with understandable motivations. Um, and I, I think they really drilled that point home with like Ned Stark dying right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like here is supposed to be this just morally pure character and there's no reason a character like that would live in the world of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. especially not mired in the politics of King's Landing. Well, and that, that was almost a statement of intent. That right. This is not Tolkien fantasy. Mm-hmm. This it's is going to subvert that. It's a more well to me. I, I what and again maybe what I read into it is this is this is a moral play uh, of complicated characters that hopefully always behave intelligently and understandably. And if they don't behave intelligently, then there should be a reason for that too, if they're emotional or whatever. And the books, by my reckoning, have been very consistent about that. The characters are very human, um, and they sometimes do bad things, but it's almost like a mutually assured destruction sort of deal on this land. And I feel like th- in the broad strokes of the finale, they hit that pretty well with how uh, how uh, Cersei was withholding her troops because she wins either way. It's just like it's all politicking, and nobody does the right thing because the right thing doesn't benefit you mm-hmm. because everyone else is not going to do the right thing. That's I like that world, a lot. Man. Hmm? That's the real world. In some circumstances, yes. Uh, and what I really enjoyed was having – experimenting about how morality exists and to what extent it can exist in this world. And to me, the books have always been about that, and that's what I find fascinating about them. Um, but So where did, where, what was that divergent point that the, you, were, you were watching and decided to not, no longer buy it, in? It's a good question because I don't know that there was one specific instance – for me, as season three started to go on, characters were acting less and less consistent. They were doing things that needed to happen for the story to hit certain beats. And when characters start acting outside of what I perceive their motivations or their their actions to be just to get the story into an interesting place or to create a dramatic encounter, that's when I start to lose interest. Because hmm. I've seen a lot of dramas and a contrived one, one in which certain scenarios are created or you can see them coming, kind of like you were saying, James. It, I need something else to hold my interest. And to me, in Game of Thrones at least, the CG is not really good enough to, for that to be the reason I watch it. The action is not good enough for me to watch it for that alone. Um, and I am also have high standards and no reason to have them. I'll be very clear about that. It's not like I've watched a lot of TV. I just, I like what I like. And mm-hmm. Game of Thrones didn't provide that for me. Hmm. Once it ceased to be about, at least for me, hmm. characters that were 
acting in accordance with their motivations as I understood them. Did, did, you, did you feel that way about the books? Because you read all the books. Uh, so it's interesting because I do, but the books also leave a lot of information out. Mm-hmm. And, and to that degree, I might be more lenient on them because I can use my imagination and mm-hmm. I have to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the books I love because they, t- you know, they swap perspectives so much yeah. that you get an intimate view from one person's, one person's perspective and you bounce around. So you get to see this world through so many different pairs of eyes. And it's fascinating to empathize with a lot of very well-realized characters that have to live in this shitty world and to see what that does to good people, to see what that does to bad people, and to see it firsthand from from their perspective. Mm-hmm. The show was more of an omniscient third-person, you know, drama. Well, Which is kind of the nature of books television, like film. Uh, what, like, you could Rashomon it, but... I don't yeah. know how well that would work if every episode was four episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you'd never move anything or forward. Or have but you know an over that, like the books. That, to- that yeah, that totally makes sense. Or or you have someone monologuing their interior thoughts, which is just it totally it's works like in off- a book. It's like The Office, but it, or yeah, it's Blade it's, Runner. It's the director's cut. Yeah, it's or terrible. It comes off as awful and corny in a TV show, yeah. and that's one of those things that I think makes the books superior. Is that you can get in someone's head. You know what they're thinking. You know what Cersei's thinking. You know what Arya's thinking. But in in a show, you're relying on either dialogue or acting to get those things across. And I think it's really hard to get some of those complex emotions across just with a look of someone standing holding a wine glass. Mm-hmm. You don't know what's going on in her head. Well, I mean, something I know, we're getting off track, but something I always notice is I'd have conversations about Cersei with people who only watch the show. And having read the books, I feel... I, I sympathize with her and I feel bad for her in a lot of situations and people will just say to me not everyone but some people will she's say like worst. she's a bad guy yeah. but she's the bad guy and I'll go well I mean if you uh, maybe it's because I've been in her head so much but I I was like well I understand why she's acting the yeah. way that mm-hmm. she is acting because I know how she thinks yeah, it makes sense in her worldview. yeah well the books definitely reinforce that she had no other choice um being a woman uh, in this setting, yeah. there are multiple no times cock. where, yeah, to, to exert power of any kind, she has to be the person that she she is. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know. There there was one line in like the either the second to last or last episode where Tyrion was telling Jamie like, "You always knew what she was." I was like, "Well, damn, man, you just reduced her to a one dimensional villain. Just bang, just like that." And I was like, well, that's kind of a bummer. I, I appreciated this world full of very complicated characters. And, yeah, there's other lines where, like, everything she did, she did for her kids. Okay, well, now she's a mom. I get it. But also she was way more nuanced than that well, in the books. I mean, another layer of that, which I always kind of interpreted through the books, less less from the show, but then imprinted onto the show, was that her kids were her weapon. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a currency. Mm-hmm. So she did love her kids. But I don't know if it's necessarily because she – loved other human beings or she understood those like her yeah. children were her skill set survival I don't mechanism. know I don't think the book takes a definitive stance on that but it's something I was like oh well that's a possibility it's hmm. a it's a currency and I agree that when you just say she's bad though it reduces her especially in the show I feel yeah. like they did that with a lot of characters as in the later seasons and especially leading into the finale I think they had to and again I, I kind of get it um I think that I think kind of like what you were saying, Dan, you do have to sort of you got to tie some stuff off mm-hmm. and part of that to make it digestible for the audience. And I think definitely they started producing this for a more and more mass audience is you do have to sort of have characters say out loud what they're thinking and feeling. And you have to have other characters tell the audience what's going on. Whereas, man, the books are the most anti that in the world. And the show, for me, at least started off with that sort of tone of of like, we're not going to tell you directly what the rules of this universe are. We're just going to have people 
have a conversation about it. And you'll have to glean from their tone, from what they're saying. Um, man, this is this is like crazy yeah, flashback territory look how here. Young they look. I, I think p- part of this gets to one of my points about the finale that I, I'm really interested if that book ever gets written be in <laughs> Bran's head at the end because I think there's stuff going on in the story with Bran at Winterfell and then when, mm-hmm. like, did he organize everything to become the king at the end? Did he plan that? I don't know. I, I, he's just, there's something going on with him and I think not being able to be in his head at all completely leaves us clueless as to what he was doing. Yeah, well, can we just talk about specifically the finale? Sure, let, let's let's dig into that last episode, which I was really into until the fade to black in the epilogue. Like, I liked the John killing Daenerys and Drogon melting the throne. I thought all that stuff was good and poetic. But as soon as it went to, okay, what's happening, you know, six months later, it, it lost me a good so bit. So I was okay with John killing Daenerys. Mm-hmm. I just was like, we're f- twenty minutes mm-hmm. in. I was like, I was like, we barely got to digest what happened in the last one. And I enjoyed the s- second to last oh, episode. I've, I I felt like the pace was expedited, but I still felt like it was a point that I ex- not necessarily expected the show to get to, but thought it was a possibility that the show would reach this point. But then I wanted to be able to digest that. And I don't think there was a moment to digest it. No. She came out and made a speech made her, that is all new. Speech. As far as I know, all new information. That's something she went up into a room for 15 minutes or whatever because, like, the battle just ended. <laughs> and then decided entirely on all this new information, yeah. which you should have gotten gotten to that point. There should have been We're gonna some We're going to mow point. down everybody can else we in the see, world. Can we see her maybe, like, lamenting that she had to burn some kids but then realizing that she – that in moving that forward like, – it's weird that they jumped time – after because they feel like they should have jumped time before and then you could have been like okay well some time has happened Mm. to digest it's just weird where they pick the time jumps so I was okay with that so yeah Daenerys' turn I think is a big point of contention with people Yeah, and I I do think it was really rushed justified yes and and I think they led little, little bits in the seasons leading up to it that she was vicious and violent but I think the turn happened so fast without making it clear enough. You know, she lost Jorah. She lost her dragon. She lost her best friend. She's betrayed uh, by everyone she knows. Yeah, she's like, please don't tell the secret about my uh, John's heritage. Everyone betrayed her. There's enough there to make someone snap, I think. But it happened all in maybe She was also sold into slavery. Well, yeah. Raped a lot. So that are, I mean... She has hit a snapping point multiple times in this narrative. I feel like snapping her now is just convenient for the plot. Well, sure. I think they think that maybe the difference for me was that this is the one time where she has control. Mm. She has the power to make the snap. That's true. And execute on said snap. I still like like we talked about on the podcast. I still feel like the pace since the last season has been expedited. So mm. I felt like that was on par with the pace. But in terms of resolution, now maybe you got to slow things down. <laughs> and I knew you can't do that one with one episode, um, but maybe I naively was watching going like, well, an hour 20 minutes is a long time. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess it's, it's I plenty guess of time. It flies I guess it's though, not um, uh. because I was like, when it happened, I was like, wow, like all, all I got before we reached this point was Tyrion explaining everything to the audience kind of yeah. in the most he basic terms. He's like, let me, just, let me just bullet point this whole thing. And I don't. I quit. S- but it's not nothing that John didn't already really know. 
or hasn't been told yeah. in a lot of situations. It's not not anything Tyrion didn't know before didn't he decided coming. to aid her in her quest. So it's weird that he's the one who realized, oh shit, I made him. Like I don't know. It, it, I honestly thought the last episode was probably one of my least favorite episodes of the whole show um, because it was a lot of characters doing things. Like I just kind of lost respect for a lot of characters in the show. Um, I, I think, at least my, my thought on this, is that at a certain point, the show stopped being about characters making decisions, good or bad, and started being about, we've got this plot. Mm-hmm. We, we've got we to end move. this story in you know eight episodes of television, mm-hmm. which is a long time, but not compared to the other you know, s- you know, eight you, years of story. Of you know what it felt story. like? It felt like wrestling. It felt like professional wrestling. In what way? Where a person comes out with a microphone because they have to have a match on Sunday. And so then they immediately say, they're like, Elias, I hate your music. Like, and then, and so, and then Elias comes out and he's like, you hate my music. And then he hits him with a guitar, even though they've never spoken before (laughs) in their like entire lives. Like it felt like it got very professional wrestling, especially in the last episode. And I think that's because that's when things should have like. Like, oh, let's go back and let's see these characters and what they've been through and kind of understand it and let's relish that and let's see how it's changed them. But it really seemed like most of the characters were like, well, that was rough. So anyway, let's make a new decision. Um, And then I also, just in terms of, it's a a closure on the world and you can't close off a world. But I also didn't understand. I mean, we probably talk about it, but there's just a lot of plot things that didn't even really make sense by the end of it. By the very end. What was happening to John? And yeah, did he process, like snitch on himself? Like their he, process he, for the kings and what happened to the Dothraki? Like, yeah, th- there are a lot of logistical questions that I have about the end. Like, one, did John kill Daenerys and the dragon flew off with her body? Did he just go and tell everybody that he killed her? I, I mean, I guess they saw the dragon flying away. I don't. I mean, yes, I assume and the dragon snatched I assume her. knowing he, knowing John, he's n- being a Stark, honorable, would walk up and go, "I I killed her," yeah. and then and then he would go and immediately tell Grey Worm, and Grey yeah. Worm, you did what? Like, but then it's just weird to think that they were like imprison this man, yeah, mm-hmm. hold yeah. him, but or he, whatever. Like he was the king, theoretically. Whatever, man. They had to finish it. They had to finish it. They had to finish it. Now, I do think this might be a thing where they've they've cut and combined a lot of threads from the story, and when they get to the end, doesn't quite make sense with, like, the Unsullied having the city and the Dothraki are still there. uh, Not pillaging and raping the whole place. Yeah, even though they are blood-vowed to her. It's like, I don't know. There's always a lot of weird stuff. I think the thing that... I liked the least was the council meeting. Yeah. Like, let's all get together and all discuss your favorites. this. All your favorites. Like that one guy from the Red Wedding and another guy <laughs> sitting next to him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like a oh, lot you're of- You're talking about the, not the small council meeting, but when the everybody got together to decide yeah. who that was going to be the king or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And Tyrion and then, gives his big speech. He gives a speech with which isn't anything that, none of it makes sense. Tyrion yeah. doesn't say anything that, applies to Tyrion's perspective on things, which is so weird. I thought, I'd hoped that it was him just trying to stay alive. Maybe. Yeah. But that, it kind of Because he's done that a couple of times. Yeah, and he's, he's good at it. That's yeah. his skill. Yeah, um, yeah I would be was, okay with that. That was almost the only Tyrion thing he's done the entire season, I would say, is give his speech to change people's minds about murdering. Well, I mean, they, they put it a million times is that he's a, he's a good guy now. He only wants the best for everyone, suddenly. 
Uh, well, not suddenly. It's been a slow. I mean, change, I but. think it's that's why he and Varys have always had kind of had this long-standing relationship. Where it's like Varys is like, I get it. You love to drink, but you also no, don't like hurting people. And he's like, No, I don't. Um, but I, I just thought it was really weird how he was his. It was the worst speech he's given mm-hmm. in his defense or the defense of the realm. It just didn't opinion. make a whole lot of sense. Well, it was like him turning to like Grey Worm, it. and he's like, "We're gonna break the wheel, just like Daenerys wanted." I'm like, I don't think she ever made. She never said that the the offspring of someone who belongs, who is the king, is not well, the I, person who's supposed to be ruling. Because oh, that's no, her I, whole been her whole claim this whole time. I thought he was just invoking her name for the sake of a pathos of yeah. design. I did too, but then Grey Worm's like, "You're right." And I'm like, yeah, "This is a d- direct contrast to the speech that she just made about conquering the world." About yeah. conquering <laughs> the world. So it's weird that like he's like, "You're right. You said a name I recognize." Unless maybe he doesn't <laughs> has no idea. He doesn't speak. He's way very out well, of his depth. He doesn't know. But, but it was just but yeah, really and then he, strange. He just agreed. He's like, we've got John, we've got Tyrion, we're not going to let him go. And there's like, okay, no, I'm going to let them go. And then, yeah, and then I'm it was... I'm going to go sail off. I mean, I saw a lot of people talking about it, and I, I agree with them that it is strange that they're like, we need to pick the person who has a story to tell. The boy who went above the... And I'm like, every single, every single person sitting here has something. Like, that's why we were watching. That's such a weird thing to write <laughs> into the end of your show is go, the one person here who's interesting. And you're like, that's very strange thing to say about your cast <laughs> in general. You're all bored. Like, all of the people. I mean, um, I, I think that's a legitimate idea, though, is, like, whoever's got the best story will be able to sell that to the people. Yeah, except... Maybe yeah. not the one with zero charisma exactly. who seems so apathetic. It's like we just immediately went back into a Robert Baratheon situation. Robert Baratheon, yeah. wasn't he wasn't the son of a king. He was picked because he was the leader of this rebellion and then chosen to be king because he seemed like a cool hero with story and a narrative, but he didn't give a shit about the role. Yeah. Well, and, and that might honestly be a thematic thing is that they ended up exactly where they began with the small council ruling – because the king doesn't give a shit. He does mm-hmm. not care. He's, you know, some omniscient being now. Yeah. And now we've got these people are ruling. But it, these people you like because they're the heroes of the story. Yeah. I mean, I did definitely get the vibe that change change doesn't happen, <laughs> that people can't change. Yeah. But it was weird because I would have been okay with that if it felt like the characters landed there. It felt like Lawrence is saying they just decided on that episode to be there. And then to make that the theme of the show, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was weird. And then the whole thing about the North will remain independent. I'm like, oh okay. okay. I didn't realize yeah. you just ask. Well, like, <laughs> to me that well, was that was like tying everything up in a sitcom way of, of everything more or less going back to normal. Because um, the show kind of ends almost exactly like it starts. Yep. John's back in the North. The Winterfell is, is independent for whatever that matters. There's a council running King's Landing. There's no dragons. There's no magic. It's just all done. I mean, I again, I would be okay with that if it was like a thematic thing, mm-hmm. but it felt like it was like we're drifting away from the thematics. Tyrion's a good guy, and then we're like, oh, we got to get him back down to this point where he's like a good guy. But because, um, yeah, every single one of the Star Kids gets exactly what they – if you went episode one and then the last episode, it'd basically be a continuation because, like, Jon Snow's like, yeah. I'm going to go to the wall. And then he goes to the wall at the end of this one. And Sansa's like, I want to be a queen. And then, boom, she's a queen. And then Arya's like, I want to travel the world 
fighting, and then it shows her get on a boat and she fights away. And then what Rob's about Rickon? Like, Rob's like, I want to get stabbed. Well, Rickon's a nothing, and then oh, yeah. he disappears. And then and Rob's like, I want to be like my dad, and then he dies. Yeah. Like, yeah, like gets his head cut they off. all get what they wanted. They all do exactly kind of what they wanted. So, I have a question: Was winter is coming some sort of lie? Because there was no winter. At yeah. The end of this. Well, or did killing the Night King like reset the seasons? I don't know. Well, I mean. Because it, it was it's weird that it became emblematic for the show because for the Starks it meant something else. It meant that you always prepare for bad mm-hmm. times because even though things are good now, winter is coming. And they live in the north, so winter sucks. So it was kind of like every every family has their creed, right? right? Um, so winter is coming as it pertains to the show in the most one-dimensional senses. Yeah, there's a huge battle coming, and it did. It, that was the that was the long night. That was the battle at uh, King's Landing. That was the winter. It came. Point. But did they stop yeah. the snow? Yeah, I mean, because like it looked like King's Landing was covered in snow, and I'm like, no, someone will tell me that's ash, because then it was immediately not snowy anymore. Yeah. It's just weird. They built ash. a big wall. Like, the reason it's called Winter Winter's Coming is because the ancestors knew that, that, that there is back. something, that there's something, well, and there is a, I think, a climate reference yeah, to it. Yeah, it refers to literal seasons because winters, winters and summers are super, super long mm-hmm. in, in Westeros. But I think it also does refer to the magic, the dangerous magic that exists mm-hmm. within That's the, the illusion, world because sure. it was Bran the Builder who made the wall and he wasn't doing it to keep the cold out. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you're, like, right, you're right. So, like, it, it was a double, I think it was a double metaphor yeah, I and I think that's right. why it was so compelling. But it was weird that they were like, no, 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 just that one thing. <laughs> we're done. That's what it meant. Uh, well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but even at the beginning of the narrative in the world, summer was ending. Mm-hmm. Like, in addition to the Night King rising mm-hmm. and all that stuff, winter was literally coming. And I thought it was supposed to be both. I thought, like, the Night King would also herald the start of the long winter in Westeros. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. But theoretically, like, the Night King dying doesn't change the orbit of the planet or the concentric ring or whatever. Yeah. So winter is still coming at the end of the show by the it, lore of the world. It seemed like the Night King was... Okay, since I have prepared for this winter, I am attuned with the climate, ah. and thus this is creating a path for me to march my army. That because if I tried to do it in the summer, it wouldn't play out very well. But this is going to be a really long, dangerous winter, so this is the winter that I should attack. So it's like a compounding issue, right? Because like, there's, the, there's the aspect of surviving the climate of winter, but then there's the whole other aspect of surviving what can benefit, what survives in the winter, yeah. right? Yeah, death. Sense. So, I don't yeah. know. Death. Yeah. Which, uh, man, if you want to talk about unrealized metaphors, what was that white horse thing? Just completely gone. <laughs> That's whoops. true. Just whoopsied. Yeah. I thought I honestly thought she was dead and she was having some sort of vision. That's interesting. I thought she was. I thought that they were literally telling you she's going to go kill uh, Daenerys. Like she's on a horse. Yeah. She's on the white death horse. She's going to go kill Daenerys now because she got bashed around in King's Landing and saw kids get hurt. Uh, I guess not. And she a, knows the killer when she sees one. Yeah, I don't know. There's when you want to talk about like loose threads. Arya going to King's Landing at all didn't mean anything. It she got really talked out of going much. and then. Got rocks thrown on her and then did nothing. I mean, I Which agree. Plot-wise, like she did that long march just to turn around and be our point of view for the mm-hmm. siege of King's Landing. But Jamie was there too. Yeah. So in terms of like the machinery of the story, that that thing on the whiteboard was already checked off, and well, that's what makes it so confusing to I me. I think I think it might be a character moment for mm-hmm. her to give up her revenge. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mm. saw it as. Because she's like, got her list, the whole show of all the people she wants to murder. If she I mean, gave up revenge. N- Night, the, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. But I think like her killing the Night King was like a culmination of her being mm-hmm. trained as a killer. Yes. But then she came out of it, and it's like, oh, well, her having pursued killing has is now reinforced her perspective on I need to be killing, killing, killing. And I thought that what they were going for again, expedited pacing is the persistent issue here, and also them just stating their exact motivations, and so when they don't, it's confusing. Um, But uh, I thought it was, instead of killing, she had that whole sequence as the city's falling apart where she tried to save. She's like, oh, I have a certain skill set. That's a good point. I'm going to try and save. And so I assumed Hmm. that she was carrying that new motive. I have a certain set of skills. I can kill, but I can also save. But she failed at saving them, and then got on a death She did fail really bad. They should have stayed in that little cubby or whatever. Yeah. As soon as she brought them out, they were gone. <laughs> they were squished. Um, but, so, yeah. Um, I was going to say, um, I think Bran is going to have some serious credit problems with Iron Bank. He could mm, probably use nice. a boost from Experian. Mm. You know, the better your credit scores, the easier it is to get the stuff you want or the less you have to pay. So the question is, why is it so hard to raise your scores? Now it won't be thanks to Experian. They've launched Experian Boost, a brand new way to instantly increase your credit scores for free. Higher credit scores can help you establish and get access to credit and preferred rates for the things you want and need in life. Experian is on a mission to help boost America's credit scores, which will help millions of people across the country build and get better access to credit. People all across America have already raised their credit scores with Experian Boost, and you should too. For the first time ever, paying your utilities and cell phone can instantly improve your credit scores. Experian Boost works by giving you credit for the bills you're already paying through your bank account, like water, gas, electric, cable, and cell phone. It used to take months to see your credit scores rise a point or two. With Boost, you can increase your credit scores instantly. Boost is free to use and only available from Experian. Up until now, you've been paying your utility and cell phone bills and not getting any credit for it. Now you can. My wife and I are saving to buy a house. With higher credit scores, I will end up saving myself a ton of quiche. I can't believe it's taken this long for someone to do this. What are you waiting for? Experian Boost can potentially help you establish or increase your access to credit. So boost your FICO score instantly for free. Boost is only available at Experian.com slash film. That's E-X-P-E-R-I-A-N dot com slash film. Thanks to Experian Boost for bringing us here this week to talk about the end of Game of Thrones. We really appreciate it. Um, one more time, also, uh, those discounts for the RTX Weekend Badge. 15% off using code FUNHOUSE15. That is valid through June 15th. Um, come to RTX. Talk to us about how we're wrong about Game of Thrones. Um, but, yeah, so back back to this finale. Yeah. Um, Trying to think if I had anything else meter to say about it. I, I did. I just had a lot of logistical questions about oh, yeah. armies that were still in King's yeah. Landing. I I ultimately, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, like the ending. I was like, oh, I do feel like I'm saying goodbye to these characters. I, I didn't. I wasn't sitting there with my arms crossed, angry and well, emotionless. I, I think it needs that moment. Like if it had just cut after killing Daenerys and melting the Iron Throne, everyone would have been even more furious. I think not kind of getting that hint of what was next. Yeah, well, I mean, I appreciated the, the hint of what was next. Yeah. It's, it's a show about the world. Corny. And worlds don't stop. It, like, if you make your show about the world, then yeah. the world doesn't stop, even if the characters do. So you should always have some sort of send-off. I did like how it ended, like, where it got to eventually, but it did feel like that was the m- fastest episode. <laughs> like, that was the most, where they were just like, nope, don't care. 
don't care. It, it really seemed like there was a dry erase board, like this is where we got to get through. But the dry erase board wasn't made until after they had already agreed to do six. <laughs> like they were like, we're only doing six. Oh, it's time to make Star Wars. Let's go. <laughs> I yeah. guess for me, what, what is ultimately unsatisfying about the ending, and, and I feel like the show abandoned this a long time ago, and again, this is me with my highfalutin ideas, is I had hoped that Song of Ice and Fire was a narrative that asks, how can someone do the right thing in a world where no one else will? Or you have no assurances that anyone else will. Because every time somebody tries to do something good and they put faith in someone else, they are fucked. Yeah, so you get it, punished for doing the right thing in this world. Exactly. So I had hoped that that was what... To a degree, that's what the climax of the story was about, was about trying to unite everyone to fight the Night King. And they weren't able to. Somehow they still beat the Night King, which kind of already uh, undoes the the question. And then the ending doesn't really deal with moral questions at all. It's just politicking, which is, again, fine. That's kind of where it started. But, like, once Jon Snow came back to life, I was like, okay, it's it's no longer about that. Because when Ned Stark died, that, to me, was a definitive statement that Mm -hmm. pure knights can't live in this world. Mm -hmm. But Jon Snow was, like, the most pure character ever. And his narrative basically meant nothing. Uh, Was stabbed because he was trying to do the right thing. Came back to life for reasons that never were super justified, aside from some weird lightning god, the Beric Dondarrion dude. Um, can't remember yeah, the Lord name. of Light. The Lord of Light. Man, he's, I always thought that was a cult. That's a legit religion. Everybody should be worshiping that guy in this world. Yeah, because so. he can bring people back to life. Weird. Us, what or happened died, to Dondarrion? He, just he died. Again? At Winterfell? Yeah, he died at, he died at, in, at the, in the Long Winterfell night. battle. Okay, I don't remember. Whatever. I think he served his purpose to rescue Arya so Arya could kill the Night King. Yes. That's why the Lord of Light brought him back seven times. Gotcha. Okay. And I guess that's why the they brought back Jon Snow too. Possibly, I think I think this is really weird because if you talk about all these things, this show could have gone on for another ten years, and may this may have been a conversation that yeah. was had between all the showrunners and all the writers and go like, if you look at all this shit, this could go for ten years, and the and an HBO executive is drooling <laughs> with them, and and they're go like, we got our walking dead. Do we want to do this for ten more years? And I think, I mean, I know that the decision was made, no, no, we do not. Well, I think those guys d- didn't probably didn't want their careers to be defined by one show and had the opportunity to go make Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Let's get the hell out of here before everyone hates us. And yeah. they didn't quite pull that off. Yeah. Also, just from a business sense, HBO is probably in a shifting phase right now. That is the CEO's gone. They, they, they very literally are under pressure to produce more content. Not less, but more quality content. So, well, I, we will get more Game of Thrones. Absolutely, yeah. there, there's going to be a lot more. Yeah, um, so, I can't so think of a single character just, I want to see. Just well, so, no, it's. No, I, it's, I don't think they're going to do the future. I think oh, they'll pass. do the past. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, they have those those Dunkin' Egg stories are actually really great I, novellas. Just just so everyone knows, because I know people are planning on boycotting or whatever. Like those guys are going to be EPs. Ah. They may not be writing. But Benioff and Weiss are going to be uh, EPs, I guarantee, yeah. on those shows. Um, so you can do whatever you want to, but if you don't plan on supporting them ever again because of what they did to the end of this show, <laughs> to it. then you they can't watch it. any <laughs> other Game of Thrones show, honestly, because mm-hmm. that's what it is. hope people will judge those things on the merits of those shows. Well, I, I'll, I sympathize, or no, I'm going to say I empathize with... Uh, people that are really upset by how it ended. I don't feel like where it went hurt it enough for me to feel like I didn't still love this show. Agreed. Um, I have my beef with it, but I don't think those beefs, you know, pacing or whatever it is, yeah. 
take away so much that I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. In a perfect world, we would have gotten three full seasons as to opposed to it. two short seasons mm. in a perfect world. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm not capable of writing that. So I don't okay. know how they would have stretched it out or how they would have made it work better or how they would have gotten to those points better because um, I'm okay with where it ended. But I feel like you needed to put in some sort of legwork there. It'd basically be if at the season two, uh, Brienne and Jamie were in a place together and then in the next episode they walked into King's Landing together. Like, they have no relationship. It's them on the road that builds that relationship. And there's this, uh, everyone's used the pun a thousand times, but a stark contrast between that kind of character stuff in the beginning and that kind of character stuff at the end. Because um, well, it was gone. It was about the plot was, at the end. It was not gone, the and it was about being the like the action. So I know Bruce is really into the action, and I am too. I'm glad that I got to see the, the Clegane the, Bowl. Oh, I'm glad that I got awesome. to see the Clegane Bowl. I'm Fight glad that I got to see choreography was janky, but it was really cool moment. I, I, I'm just I'm glad that I got to see the Battle of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I got to see the Battle of the Bastards. I'm glad that they got to see some of these really amazing things. I'm glad that I got to see her burn King's Landing. Yeah. You know, I think um, it was a cool character turn, honestly. But it did come at the cost of something else, and it's most noticeable to me in that last episode when it comes screeching in. It's like the end of Speed Two Cruise Control. I'll <laughs> <laughs> stop both at the last minute, <laughs> smashing through the docks. Um, Lawrence, I saw you grimacing there. I didn't. I clicked Lane Bowl was stupid. It was stupid. I mean, I I didn't think it was directed well. I didn't think the action no. was that. Interesting. I didn't think the action was very good. But it was it was a cathartic moment for that sure. character. Yeah, sure. I always thought the lack of choreography was kind of a charm of the show. Oh yeah, I don't want this to be like. It's not supposed to be like Hong Kong style, yeah, yeah, yeah. high flying action. But I do think that there are some base notes of like pacing and weight and like camera framing and stuff that can sell the emotion of a sequence, and I didn't get that much. I mean, it's tough when one of the two people fighting is a soulless zombie man. Zombie baby. Um, so, yeah, that's that's more of like a, a brute fight, which is more about, like, just your hero getting slapped around, which was kind of the idea of that fight, too. But it was just, it was you know, it's two meat mountains slapping each of, other. Of a fight like that, you want it to feel long and drawn out, and, and yeah, you want it to feel exhausting. And dirty. Just, these things are just smashing into each other again and again and again. Yeah, and it didn't. It, it's probably like if you strung it all together, you cut out everything else. You just took the Clegane fight. It's maybe what like three minutes or something. Yeah, which maybe does, not. It, it yeah. should be like not they live, but like they live esque, where it's yeah. like these two monsters banging against each other again and again and again. Just to I, show the the because there's there's sadness there. You know, it, it is a character that had found salvation now throwing it away because they are bound to their purpose, which is an interesting character moment. But like it ended in, it ended with him tackling him through a brick wall and falling into fire, like very Hollywood yeah. cinema t- kind of stuff. I, th- I liked that shot though when they went tumbling out of the tower. I was rolling my eyes so I, hard. I I was okay with the shot, but part of me did go like, this doesn't seem much worse than anything he's endured already. So I was like half expecting him to climb out of yeah. the rubble. <laughs> um, I was one hundred percent expecting a fist to punch up oh. out of. I was exp- man when when Tyrion just so happened to find Jamie and Cersei. I was like, motherfucker, do not, do not bring Keep them back them alive, to life. Yeah. Oh. Uh, they did just, do none of that shit. Thank God. Well, they they literally did with other characters, but not Who with them. Who came back to life? Well, John Snow. Yeah, well, d- at the end. I'm just saying. End. In the in yeah. these are these are the you. beats that make me check out of the, of the Lord of Light. Did not choose them. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> 
So whatever. And also, why does the Lord of Light give a fuck? Why does he? Uh, whatever. But that's what I'm saying. The song of Ice and Fire. Ten, imagine, imagine a show where it goes for another six seasons because now they've dece- defeated the Night King, but then it's revealed that the Lord of Light was manipulating the events because the Lord of Light is ten times worse, which then is like now the gods are a metaphor for the yeah. lords and stuff. Or it could just, just predestination keep going forever, yeah. and that would be great, but I'm not going to make it. <laughs> um, and I don't expect any of those actors want to make it, and I don't think the creators want to make it. It did feel like – so I'll say this. To everyone who was really critical of the last two seasons of the show – I was just kind of enjoying the ride. The last episode felt like they were done. Mm-hmm. They felt like they were done. It felt there. obligatory. Yeah, it did it it. feel obligatory. There were moments where they were like, okay, and goodbye, and this is emotional, and goodbye. But thank God. Like, it felt like as soon as the credits rolled, they're oh, like, taking the biggest <laughs> shit. Thank God. <laughs> Which is not a good vibe to send to your audience who loves it. It reminds me of, like, somebody else plans a birthday party for you. But doing things you don't want to do with people ah. you don't really like. Oh, that's so you go and you're like, hey, and you can't ruin the vibe because somebody put in a lot of effort, but you're just happy to be gone. And that's, then go home and like do what you want. It's a very good metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately, I still love the show. Yeah. And I still think it's one of the best shows overall, uh, in my opinion, in this genre. I think it'll take a, a mighty turn for another studio to make a show quite like this one. The scale. With the scale and the scope and the, and the ten seasons like fantasy? or eight seasons. It's such a weird sell. Yeah. Uh, there's so much about this show that sh- it should not have been the most popular thing. Fantasy mm-hmm. turns a lot of people off. But fantasy and sci-fi. I mentioned it in another video that probably hasn't, that hasn't gone up yet, but um, the show was pretty broad when it started. They knew that they were making a fantasy show, and so they included sex and violence. That's true. That obviously the books have sex and violence, but they made it HBO sex and violence yeah. because right. they wanted to get that audience. Like, Look what we can do in HBO. Yeah, like, and they had like incest in the first episode. Yeah, it's like they they wallop you over the head with all of the like eye turning stuff. So so I think like there was a like an intention that they knew they were making this niche genre, and they were like, well, let's put in broad stuff too, so that way we can attract an audience. Hey. If people like that, I'm going to tell you, check out Spartacus. Ah, If you haven't seen it. I need to watch it. The Star Series, four seasons, great ending. Yeah. Um, great ending. I can't really think of a point in the show where I felt like it wasn't good. Um, and it is very similar to Game of Thrones because it starts as basically a softcore <laughs> porno. <laughs> oh like, it's like It's like someone watched 300 and said, I can do that, but with more sex. More dick. Um, nice. I, I often joke oh, yeah. that it feels like someone wrote an amazing script for this gladiator-based story, um, and then they had to take that script and then send it to a bunch of softcore porn writers, who then they did a pass, <laughs> yeah. and then it went back to the it went back to the writers again, where they were allowed to do one more pass, but they had to leave <laughs> in at least fifty percent of what the softcore porn writers had put in for about the first season, maybe season and a half. It still it very much embraces that, um, but man, it's a good show, and I I stay in that it is good the whole way through. And I also think it has a great ending. So, so my recommendation along those lines would be Deadwood, which is also made by HBO, which finally got its end, and it was fantastic. Uh, it got cut short a few years ago, uh, but HBO finally, I guess, ten years later, made a movie that's coming out in a couple weeks, and it is a fantastic ending. 
it doesn't have quite the complex mythology of Game of Thrones, but it has the character depth, mm. and all of the, all of the decisions the characters make are completely from within them and make sense, even though it can wreak havoc on everyone else. That appeals um, to me greatly to you, hear you, you describe it that way, Dan. Deadwood is amazing. And it's coming um, back, right? Just for this movie. Oh, the movie. They did, oh. like, it's almost a two-hour-long uh, film that kind of it picks up 10 years after season three stops, which was 10 years ago, and, and has an ending of sorts for enough of the characters. Hmm. Um, the dialogue in that show is probably the best dialogue in existence, maybe, outside of it. It's, it's kind of weird and alien at first because it's a bit Shakespearean. It's kind of lyrical, and they don't talk like normal humans speak, but it is deep, and, and it's fun to pull apart, and it sounds amazing. Um, unfortunately, David Milch, the guy, the, the brain behind it, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, mm. so that might be the last. He, he's an absolute genius, genius writer, and it's probably the last thing that he'll probably ever get to make is mm. my guess. Because um, I think he's deteriorating, sadly. But um, check out Deadwood. It's got a good ending uh, and seriously deep characters uh, and amazing dialogue. And it's only three seasons long in a movie, so it's not nearly as long as this uh, 73 episode epic. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we, endings are hard. Are, are there any other shows that have good endings that you can think a lot. of? Uh, Veep just ended yeah. fantastically. That's a comedy, though. I would say sometimes comedies have even harder endings yeah, sure. than dramas because it's not There's it's no rarely plot. about Just, the plot yeah. and it's not about ending the plot. It's about how do we make you feel like the ca- characters. I think Parks and Rec has one of the best endings to any show ever. Um, I've never seen the end. It's it, they it was so smart how they did it because they basically treated the whole last season as a finale episode. Hmm. And so I have no questions about what happens to these characters that I love for the rest of their lives. Did it, it do like, like a cut into the course. past for each one of them and say like you know this guy well, did this? Well, I don't want to spoil. I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, but the show please don't. The spoil the show does stuff that just allows you to basically go like okay, I know what path these people are headed down, and I know they're going to be okay, or I know they're going to be fine, or whatever it is. And I felt like uh, it's like the show could have shown me all those over the course of another ten seasons, but it didn't need to, mm-hmm. and uh, and I loved it. So I know, yeah. Cool. Lawrence, are there any endings that you like? I don't know, man. I'm a turd. I very rarely make it to the end of a TV series. Mm. It's tough. Usually well, things fall apart. Yeah, because... They, they really do. They, they'll hit their peak in season two or three, mm-hmm. and then they'll repeat everything until yeah. everyone's bored. That's the leaves. nature of television, which yeah. is often why I don't dabble in television much. I, I prefer a story to have a vision and a point. And a lot of television is it's just entertainment for entertainment's sake, and you got to fill that hour, and you do it, and you try to string people along however you can. So, I tend to lose patience for that. So I don't finish a lot of TV. Um, I'm trying to think of shows that I have. Well, I, I do watched. think this like prestige TV stuff is relatively new for us to have. So there's probably not a ton of examples um, mm. out there. Um, I'll say the the Shield also had one of the greatest endings. Um, of a story ever, and Black Sails, which is the criminally underwatched pirate show that was on Cinemax or Stars, I can't remember. How many seasons was that? There's three of them, so it's it's so. tight. It's tight. Um, I feel and, like and sometimes those are those that feels more like a mini series mm-hmm. by American television standards. In some in some three. cases, maybe it was four. I think I don't know, but it it ended when it needed to. It didn't yeah. overstay its welcome. There were some surprises, things that you thought were off the table that kind of had great resolutions for the end of the characters. And the show itself is a, kind of a pre-story for Treasure Island. So it ends hmm. with not the beginning of Treasure Island, but it puts 
you know, it has all silver. these things going on. Yeah, and then it puts everything in place. I'm gonna be a cook. Yeah, cool. It, it, Long John Silver's a great character, and yeah. he doesn't start out Long John Silver. He's just John Silver. Aha! Uh-huh. He becomes Long John. Well, it's it's pretty great, um, especially if you like pirates at all or treasure or anything like mm-hmm. that. There's cool. some pretty impressive ship battles. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I mean, this yeah. is a layup, but True Detective season one. Yeah, I was uh, I was super into that. I mean, just just the acting on display, that the monologue at the end. Uh, still, I think about sometimes. Hmm. Um, well, yeah, I most kind of like you were saying, most TV, it either gets to the point, it just kind of waffles and then it falls apart and then I just stop watching. Or it's, yeah, it's like a BBC show or I hate to say it, like an anime because those, you you can tell early on with those if they're intended to go forever or if this is just a thing that's going to end. Mm-hmm. It's like Erased had an ending and it was really good. Uh, Planetess, which is an old ass show, sci-fi. So I know they things. kept going, but I always oh, like the ending. No, no. Oh, sorry. I, I was gonna say, but I always like the ending of Trigun. Oh yeah, where they did Trigun Maximum. Where yeah, it's like it's him carrying his brother through the desert, and I'm like, yeah. That even gets that that goes off the rails at some point once they start delving into the backstory and sci sci-fi aspects of Trigun. They're but. Plant, people. <laughs> they're plant people. So yeah, I I don't know. I uh, I'm a little out of my depth to be frank when it comes to criticizing television because. I You're just, allowed to do whatever you, know what you, you like. want to do. I guess. <laughs> I feel like I feel like to say something that resonates with people that watch a lot of TV, one probably has to come from that background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, I, I feel know. like you you have justified opinions though. You you're cerebral and think about things. So even if you don't l- watch a lot of TV, your opinion is it's justified with thought, not just I didn't like it when she burned everybody. Fair enough then. Um, but yeah, I, in in regards to recommendations, certainly I don't think I'm well traveled mm-hmm. enough to no? to to recommend anything with any amount of authority I, w- I mean the only thing that honestly comes to mind and it didn't end but it's on YouTube and it's trash Passions the TV show <laughs> I've recommended it a lot All but right, you're not allowed to <laughs> exactly right this is what I'm saying if you like if you like the if you just like going ooh at a show at least Passions understands what it is and it's, it's got a good sense of humor about it and it is dumb as hell did you ever watch Riverdale yeah okay I like actually sure. in terms of that like Sabrina I think is the, is the better version of Riverdale okay. for me Mm-hmm. But Rivdale's, yeah, it's all right. But it, it pretty definitively at a certain point makes it clear to you, the audience, that they're going to go as long as they can mm-hmm. with that. So, well, man, if we're CW looking, in general, right? Yeah, it's like the Supernaturals of the world, which is also a fun show. How it many actually seasons did end. of Supernatural are there? <sighs> it did? Yeah. I thought it was still going. Oh, maybe it's in the final season right now. But uh, I think it's in the 20s, maybe? Oh, my God. Oh, no, High Teens, I think. What are they on? Supernatural... Mm. Season fourteen. I love oh, that. Wait, I love right. it's on so many channels. It's on like five times a day. Syndicated to hell. Season and fourteen. You said. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'm like, how I do hope you... they find their dad? <laughs> <laughs> There's so many like yeah, supernet like shows like that. You just abandon you abandon the expectation of greater meaning mm-hmm. pretty early on, and like Wait. good writing will will set those expectations for you properly. Fifteen seasons. Excuse oh, okay. Me. Those are also uh, episodics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're procedurals kind of and stuff like SVU. Uh, I mean, if that show ended, you would, they would just do one, and then they'd be like, "And then we're not doing more." They, you know? Yeah, I mean, the, the golden the golden formula there is to have your self contained story, and then little beats at the beginning and end that play into a larger story. Yeah. Line, you know? Like uh, like what's his name getting hearing loss and CSI or what? I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess I'd like to give a shout out to. Um, all those people that aren't D and D or the cast of this show, uh, but you know the the cinematographers, the set designers, the costume designers, the sound people, the gaffers, those people that probably never got 
enough credit for doing a great job for eight years making a really spectacular-looking mm-hmm. TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, you did a great job. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I just want to. Yeah, you know, a lot of times people it's, don't give credit to all the people doing the nitty gritty, and they they'll place well, every every good thing or bad thing at the feet of uh, the two Davids. I mean, you're talking about black sails and pirates and stuff. Yeah. Like, I always thought it was criminal that the people that made Pirates of the Caribbean didn't get as much credit as they should have for how they reinvented. Because fantasy is a pretty well-established thing, and Lord of the Rings was huge, and the aesthetic of that is something that it's hard to make your own. But now I think people think fantasy. They will probably start visualizing a lot of the elements of this show, uh, yeah. which is a very impressive feat. Um, to kind of reestablish what the culture would think. Mm-hmm. The first thing might not be Tolkien anymore. It could be Game of Thrones when yeah. you talk about fantasy. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's, and for, for something that hit all those Tolkien-esque beats, you know, there's dragons and magic and kings and swords and... There's not elves or dwarves, kind of, but there kind of are. They're the Seers forest and tree people, people yeah. yeah, three children, little elves. So for something that could hit all those beats, but still be mass appeal, uh, I mean, mostly because of the fighting and fucking, but still, <laughs> uh, it's impressive, and it, and you know, it's it's kind of an easy again another layup, but it should be appreciated on that regard alone that there there's obvious talent in the craft for it to appeal to so many people and for so long. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Got him. All, All right. right. Yeah, I, th- I think we're done. Um, yeah, just impressive work. Maybe not nailed that ending, but I think it's very, very hard to do that. Um, enjoy it for what it was, what parts of it you liked. Keep liking those. Don't let uh, episode or two ruin it for you. Um, but, yeah. All right. On. Uh, I think we'll be back next week talking about something. Maybe something. Aladdin. Maybe Ooh. some... Other news stories. There's a lot of trailers that come out in the last week. Trailers. Got some Tarantino, yep. who's <sighs> maybe even causing a little controversy already for his upcoming movie. Because mm-hmm. of the Margot Robbie thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'll make that face, too. Um, he, but he made a movie called Jackie Brown. Whatever, he, man. Yeah. You want to accuse him of being a misogynist, you're a little late. Exactly. He I mean, spit in Uma Thurman's face. <laughs> <laughs> he put her in that car and made her wreck. Yeah. Um, Look at her toes. But thanks again to Experian Boost for bringing us here to talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, And we'll see you next week. Thanks for coming around, guys. Bye.